The Viewpoint, 8 to 10 p.m. Flipping conventional wisdom on its head. Songhezomapete on SAFM. Good evening, Dr. Bengu. How are you? Fine, uh, 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 Good evening to your, to your listeners as well. Thank you. What are we talking about this evening? Because the last time we spoke, we did run out of time, but what did persist in the theme of our conversation would have been health is indeed a human right. And I would like for you, please, especially in the context of your guest that will be coming on, and we can talk to and of and about your guest a little later on. That's your prerogative. But I do want to engage what you will be talking about at half past in the context of what was ultimately your parting shot the last time. Health is a human right. Perhaps we can go a little deeper this time around from where you left off. Yes, uh, that, that, that actually is the case. Uh, I referred in the context of health being a human right almost everywhere in the world. Uh, locally, we only have to refer to our Section 27 of the Constitution, which uh, uh, basically refers or provides for the right to access to healthcare services. This is section 27.1a and B, 27.1b provides for state to take reasonable legislative and other measures within its available resources to achieve the progressive realization of the right. Now, in this regard, healthcare is one of uh, very few. I can't think of any other sector where the requirement is that in an emergency, no health establishment or health professional can refuse to provide services to a person in need. And this applies whether you are in the private sector or not. Ability to pay cannot be the reason for withdrawing care. It uh, when there is an emergency. At the very least, the obligation is to stabilize and then refer to an entity uh, that can uh, continue in providing care. So in this regard, this is absolutely important. And uh, today, we will obviously, when we discuss with Ms. Kwanele Asante, we will cover exactly those questions. Why do human rights matter in the first place? We'll try and and apply uh, the same to COVID, as no discussion in healthcare would be complete without that. And of course, we will look at what other international organizations are doing to make sure that we continue to place provision of services ahead uh, to fulfill the, the intended protections in constitutions all over the world. In the light of general comment 14 from the World Health Organization that speaks to, generally speaking, or in specific terms, actually, the highest possible healthcare standards, in other words, the optimization of healthcare, it is given primacy at the World Health Organization. You've mentioned and referred to the Constitution, particularly at Section 27 thereof. In, in, in the context of rights, in the context of what health is indeed all about in terms of how essential it is, it really does speak to Section 10 of the Constitution, ultimately, human dignity. From your experience, from your work, and also from your exposure the world over, what would be your scorecard then for South Africa's health care outcomes? 
you may divide it between public and private, but generally speaking, are we in an environment where our healthcare rollout is what it should be in this country? Yeah, the, the issue about uh, the key word there is health outcomes. And uh, I'm sorry to say that in South Africa, we aren't measuring outcomes. Uh, you may recall the health market inquiry. This is one of the findings that both private and public sector, we are not measuring health outcomes. So this leaves judgment as to whether we are doing well almost to uh, each individual and very subjective in that regard. Uh, but there are moves to try and move in that direction. So by and large, when people try and judge outcomes of quality, you find that it tends to be about the feel-good sector. Uh, how good is this doctor in terms of bedside manners? And uh, on the hotel, on the hospital side, uh, we tend to think of the hotel part of this. Is the food nice? Uh, is living clean? Obviously, all of those are important, but they aren't really sub, uh, sorry, objective measures of the quality of care and outcomes. But the important thing is that steps are being taken to, to answer those questions when they come up going forward. Now, it's also not a very simple question to address. We are busy working on universal health coverage and one of the issues of Let me stop you right there. Sorry, I have to take an ad break, but I think that question of universal health coverage, stroke NHI, is an important entry point on the other side of the short break. Thank you. SAFM leading the conversation. The Viewpoint 8 to 10 p.m. Flipping conventional wisdom on its head. On SAFM. Mr. Dr. Ntutu Kobengu, founder of Alchemy Health Technologies, National Planning Commission member and former panelist of the Health Market Inquiry, as was commissioned a few years back by the Competition Commission. He's on the line now. We're talking about health. We're talking about health, especially as a human rights in the context of Human Rights Month. His last point was the question of universal health coverage and how ultimately it speaks to or is proposed to speak to healthcare outcomes in the country. Let's have a conversation further then. Of course, if you want to join, please do very quickly because Dr. Bengu is not going to be long on the line with me. Rather, in just over five minutes, he will have a guest of his own and he will talk to her and about her just in a little while from now. Let's talk about universal health coverage in this country, NHI. Your thoughts on that in relation to healthcare outcomes, or at least what it proposes to do? Yeah, as long as uh, the NHI, uh, as we, our version here in South Africa, deals with the issues of equitable access, meaning you do get access irrespective of whether or not you afford care. It's really based on on need more than affordability. And in that regard, you also do not pay at the point of service and no one should go bankrupt seeking healthcare. Now, the point is that it's it's easy to, to be superficial and say, well, you know what, even in South Africa today, if you, you, you do not have uh, the funds to pay if you go to a public hospital, you will still be seen and treated. So one could say, well, 
Are we there already, given that uh, there is access and no payment at point of of care? But what we we mustn't forget is that that's just the first line. Mm. It doesn't help to say you can get free care, but when you arrive at the clinic, there are stockouts in terms of drugs uh, or any of the other material or devices that one needs. Uh, so, so there are layers as to whether uh, access to care is real or is theoretical. So this is where, if we look at all of our constitution, all of our, our rights, we're on, on, on the right road. But the question is, do we match that on the ground? I think that's the critical issue. And uh, one hopes that when we implement NHI, it will be real. We will have real care that will make a difference and uh, uh, in people's lives with uh, outcomes that actually show uh, that we are providing care the right way. Is NHI really what the country should be focusing on? Is the overhaul of the healthcare system, in your view, of course, when I say overhaul of the healthcare system, I'm largely referring to the public healthcare system, but it will touch, of course, on the interests of private sector health. Is NHI a feasible and realistic alternative? Of course, there is altogether the need to reprofessionalize the public health care system. And with that, there is no doubt the health care outcomes themselves that are proposed in the NHI will come as a matter of course. Why do we change systems instead of looking at the people who preside in and over the systems? Yeah, it need not be uh, mutually exclusive uh, in terms of providing care for the for the for the majority or for all of those who live in a country. And I do not, I have not met anyone who disagrees with the principle of providing universal care that is not based on affordability and that isn't providing quality of care. The issue that you are asking is whether we are on our on our way to achieving that. That is the million dollar question. One can only refer to where we are and uh, we do have a national health insurance bill that's out. Uh, comments have been received. I think parliament still needs to 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 lead the way because COVID struck when we were expecting that uh, there would be uh, parliamentary processes. There had been consultation where the portfolio committee had been to different parts of the country, but there were plans for selected parties to also come and make personal presentations as well. So uh, the reality is that the country is taking steps to implement this. Uh, the question, of course, that still hasn't been addressed mainly are the costs and how exactly it's going to be funded. We do know the principles, but uh, it's still an, an unfolding uh, sort of legislative. Fair enough. Uh, I'll, I'll let the legislative the legislative process play itself out. Here's something for the listener at home, though, because it does dovetail in the conversation you will soon have with your guest. Can you just reinforce the importance of me 
as an individual, as a consumer of healthcare services, to take the time to study, or if not to study, to engage my health, to engage my progress in relation to conditions that I might be visiting the hospital for or rather frequently, to engage the person who's on the other side of the counter, if not a pharmacist, the doctor or the nurse, and engage the service and the procedure and to go there with some information as to what I might and should anticipate to get. And certainly if it's a journey, I should be an active participant, especially to try and narrow the information gap between the consumer and the provider. Yes, uh, this is actually quite right. It's what we touched on last time uh, and where we had focused on patient empowerment, but that's exactly the point. What we're saying is that the more empowered you are, the more likely you, you are to be a good partner to the health service providers. And uh, we basically touched on the fact that let's build on what we are doing now during COVID, where we are much more informed as the public, but we need not back down if and when COVID is less of a threat as it is now. It's absolutely correct. It's everybody's right to uh, and, and requirement to understand their health situation and what they need to do. More importantly, to keep well, which is prevention, but when you do have a medical condition, how to navigate through the health systems, but also do your part for, for so that both you and your providers will have positive outcomes. Final question, or rather final comment. I do have two callers who are going to have to make it very brief because I would imagine some of what they may ask might carry over, but let's give them an opportunity nonetheless. Very quickly, please. Mike in Newlands and Tami in Pretoria. Hi, good evening. Good evening to your guest. Yes, I just want to understand one thing. Uh, I, uh, we have a national health service. We have NHI in our country. Uh, it, if you, I pay tax, and if you go to a hospital here in the Western Cape or anywhere in the country, you will get treatment. Unfortunately, that treatment is not even second standard or third standard. It's fourth standard. We have Esadomeni, where 164 patients died in a government-run hospital. Now, with the greatest respect to your guest, Sangeza, I actually don't want to go to a government hospital. I am happy to pay a lot of money, thousands of rands a month, so I can go to a private hospital. If the government of the day is elected and the people are happy with the conditions and service that they are receiving, that's fine with them. But I hope that the doctor that you've got on your show is not suggesting that my private health care, which and I go to a private hospital, which I pay for, must be dragged into a, a system where 164 people die. And may I also point out to the good doctor, there were no consequences. Life is very cheap, and particularly in our government hospitals. Nobody's gone to jail for Isidomini. So uh, I do hope that he is making a difference, a difference between the two. And if he's not, will you please explain to me what sort of government that we have, what sort of democracy we have that if a government, if a private person starts in hospital, the government tell a private hospital that I'm prepared to pay for it. And by the way, also pay my taxes so other people can go to government hospitals and they want to take that away. And, and if you could tell me why he wants to do that, because that is undemocratic. And it's, in fact, it's immoral, and it takes away my rights as well to good health care. Thanks, Ngezo. Thank you so much, Mike in Newlands. Tommy, good evening. Thanks for calling. I understand you're a first-time caller. Yes, I am. Uh, good well evening. Done. Uh, well done. Uh, well done. Well uh, done. Yes. My, 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 my little contribution is actually around um, the systems in check, which I'm hoping that the government has done. 
uh, in regards to controlling price gouging from the private sector, especially around uh, the medical fraternity. I'll make a very simple example. Um, there's a chap called Martin Shukeli. Uh, if you can Google him, he's, uh, he was a fund manager in one of the big pharmaceutical companies. What he did was to take one of the drugs um, and they basically increased the price to such an extent that it became totally unaffordable for the average person. Now, we know that given our health profile, there are certain diseases that are coming into stream. Your cancers are rising. I do not have, uh, obviously, um, what do you call this? Um, Medical aid? Uh, no, 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 not medical aid. Uh, uh, data to, 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 to back up what I'm saying. Oh, oh, all, of yes, the, yes. all of this is, is, is anecdotal, yes. right? But we can see a rise in diseases. So what I'm basically trying to check is, basically trying to say is that I'm hoping that in our quest, in our quest to get the noble idea of the NHI, we also keep service providers in check because it is not unimaginable and it is not far-fetched to have a system which on principle is great Very but well. the other players in this uh, Tami let me go I think yeah. I've got the gist of your point yeah. Dr. Bengu yeah. do you want to respond quickly please to both Tami and Mike I, I don't want to steal too much time of your time sure. with Juanel Yes, uh, Mike, I think the issue of Estimeni is really a law enforcement issue. The process has been concluded in, in pointing fingers at, at where things went wrong, but we, it's quite soon nothing has happened. On the NHI, the principles of universal health coverage basically say it's about solidarity. It's about the rich subsidizing the poor and the, the well subsidizing the the, the, the unwell. That's where you start and basically it, how the funds are collected and spent has to start from the perspective that there is a, a contribution in, in an equitable manner. So the, that is basically the point. Solidarity is the key point in how and what, what should happen there. And uh, Tami uh, is quite right uh, about the U.S. The example he used got everybody uh, up in arms. But the United States is probably one of a very few countries where that can happen because the health systems are largely uh, either uh, driven by governments, which you find mostly in Europe, and the U.S. is mainly private sector with very little protections and in South Africa, we have a hybrid. And the issue is that it's unlikely to happen in South Africa in, in how uh, Martin did it. For the simple reason that we have a single exit price where there is uh, some control in terms of pricing of medicines. Uh, but uh, also to touch base uh, largely, yet suddenly the NHI as it's drafted now, it does have significant components that deal with regulation on the supply side, which is where the practitioners and health establishments play. Thank you. I think I'll stop there so we, we can be ready for Mr. Asante. No, certainly. Let's take an ad break. And of course, as discussed after the ad break, the show is yours. Without much ado, Dr. Bengu, after the break with Ms. Kwanele Asante.